This podcast is brain powered by the University of Sydney. We are controlling transmission. Sleek Geeks, Dr. Carl, and Adam Spencer. Hello, science lovers. How are you going? Welcome to another Sleek Geeks podcast with me, Adam Spencer, my compadre in Sleek Geekness, Dr. Carl Kruzhonitsky. How are you, Carl? Oh, I'm ever so peachy keen, Dr. Adam. And we've got a special guest here this week. You might know him as the surfing scientist. You might have seen him on our Sleek Geeks television show of a few years ago. You might He might have been to a school and done one of his fantastic science demonstrations for kids, but he's here to talk about a published piece of medical research he's done. Reuben Meerman, how are you, Reuben? I'm very well, thank you, gents. Now, it's that time of year, the new year. It's a time when a lot of people have given it a bit of a nudge around the Christmas and Boxing Day lunch table, they're thinking, I'm not in great shape, I've got a New Year's resolution, I'm going to lose some weight. Today we're talking about what actually happens when you lose weight. What is it that you lose? Let's go back a step. First of all, Carl, if I eat too much for an extended period of time over Christmas and I've put on, say, five kilos over the last couple of months... What, what have I put on? You've put on mostly fat and, if you're lucky... It'll appear on your lower body. It'll actually be protective. It'll be good for you to some degree. And the, you, what you will have happened is the number of fat cells will have increased. We're, increased. We're talking below the hips. However, if you're male, almost certainly they'll appear above the waist. That is not protective. In fact, the exact opposite is associated with insulin resistance and obesity-related metabolic disorders. And what happens there is the fat cells get bigger. But how do I... I've got more fat, but it doesn't Mm. just mean that I've eaten fat. If I eat rumen, much too much carbohydrate or even much too much protein or something, I still end up putting on fat. So how does the fat become created? Where does the fat come, the extra fat that I'm now carrying around? Well, so the carbohydrates that you eat and the protein, you can convert that to fat. Your liver does this. Um, And so it takes... First of all, it takes the, or the, the glucose molecules apart, then puts them back together. It's a multi-step biochemical process, but it puts it back together as this new substance, which is fat, which is very different to carbohydrate. And those molecules, they're called fatty acids that your body makes. And then it um, stitches them together and it becomes, it's still a fat, but it becomes triglycerides. And you'll know about those if you've gone for your blood test for just a general health test. They check to see how many of these triglycerides are floating around in your blood because you don't want too many in your bloodstream. But then those triglycerides get stored in very specialised cells called adipocytes, which is the stuff Carl's talking about. You know, you can either grow new adipocytes. If, you, if you're putting on weight, you've got to put it somewhere. You've got to put this fat mm. into some cells. And you can either do that by growing new cells to put it into. That's or, below the waist. Yep. And, or you can um, add it to the cells you've already got so that they just get bigger. My fat cells get fatter. That's right. They're yeah. the ones above the waist and they're not protective. In fact, the exact opposite, bad yeah, for you. If, if they're around your organs, that's called visceral fat. Okay, so if I've got extra fat on me to a few months ago, it doesn't that didn't necessarily come into my body as fat. It could have come in as all sorts of things, but then within my body got turned into fat. Okay, let's say now, over the next three months, in a really sensible, moderate way, I managed to lose that five kilos. A lot yeah. of people think my body just sort of burns the fat. This is what you've researched, isn't it? Yeah. What actually happens when you lose weight. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and if, in fact, you were nuclear-powered, you could burn the fat 
into energy. However, you are chemically powered, yes. and this is what Ruben dealt with. Where did the question come from? When did you first start thinking about this? I, it's precisely what we're talking about. Um, I, a year and a half ago, no, two years ago, at, um, just after Christmas, I saw a photo of myself and I'd gotten a little bit of a gut. I was five kilos into overweight, and I thought, oh, I'll get rid of that, um, and just did what you're told to do, uh, started walking a little bit more, eating a bit less, started losing weight, and then thought, hey, this is interesting, read a bit of biochemistry. What what does fat become? Because having a physics degree, you know that fat's got to be made of atoms. Mm-hmm. That's where kilograms come from. Feynman said everything is made of atoms. That's it. Spot on. So uh, if you've done physics, then you know this this business that you cannot turn an atom into pure energy because that's what Einstein's E equals MC squared is all about. Well, so, you can nuclear power, but th- th- that's it. But we're not nuclear power we're stations. Nuclear power. So a couple of walks around the block is not going to turn atoms into pure energy. That's right. Okay. That's right. So, um, so I read up very quickly. Fat becomes carbon dioxide and water. That's wow. the, That's the two things that a fat molecule becomes, and nothing else. That's you turn fat into pure carbon dioxide and water. Okay. So the next question that I had, and we've known that for years, that's no big discovery there, that that we've known that for over 100 years. But the bit that I couldn't find the answer to is, all right, let's say I lose 10 kilograms, how much of that 10 kilos will I exhale as carbon dioxide and how much will come out of me as water? Ah, so the the balance between the the CO2 and the water was what you were looking for. Let me go back Mm, a step. You said breathe out. So as I... As I do over time, let's say I do lose 10 kilos, mm-hmm. have I, I've, I've breathed it all out? Have I, have I sweated any out? Have I pooped any out? Ah, no. good point, because did the, does the carbon recombine with some other stuff to come out of your bummin? No, it does not. Um, so the really? only th- There's no, uh, not well, essentially not one of those atoms that was in your fat will come out of your backside. The carbon, none of the carbon atoms. None of the carbon atoms. A little tiny bit of water might because faeces have water in in them, they're seventy five percent water. But um, that water can come from you know you can drink it that day. Water is in such a huge state of flux in your body. Hmm. You know, if you drink a liter of water or half a liter, you've just put on half a kilo. But you'll pee that out in, if you keep doing that very quickly. So we don't really worry about the the water component too much because it's always in flux. But what what's really interesting is that it the, the numbers work out to be eighty four percent of the mass that you lose as fat comes out of your lungs. Oh, come on. Are you saying that my mouth is my major excretory organ? Correct. That, In fact, that's precisely how the, we not, it. Not the one inside my underpants, the one above my neck. When that's I, right. When I lose weight, I breathe out 84% of the weight I've lost as CO2. That's correct. That, wh- wow. Wow. Yes. It's a huge number, isn't it? And it happens, it, the reason we think it's taken so long for anyone to give a darn about this is um, it's invisible. It's coming out of your lungs and people forget. We all know that we exhale carbon dioxide, but people forget that that is mass. Those carbon atoms are carrying mass. Mm -hmm. So here's another lovely way to think about it. Every breath that you exhale weighs a tiny bit more than the breath you inhaled. And the little extra bit of weight is either the fat you've just burnt or whatever you ate that day. But you are losing, on average, about for a 70 kilogram person, about 210 grams of carbon come out of you a day. 210 grams of carbon a day. A day. Which is matched by, I'm guessing, 210 grams in if you're in steady state. Precisely. If you don't overeat, then it's all, it's 
pretty much exactly the same goes in. Okay, so wow. 84% of what I lose, I breathe out as CO2. That leaves 16% as water. That's right. Is that sweated and wee-weed out? Could be, because those water molecules can go, they're in your blood. That's the first place they are. And so what happens to them next is really, there's so many ways. I mean, Carl, what can, what can um, how can you excrete water? There's, if you're breastfeeding. Tears. Yeah, tears, saliva, sweat. Urine, you feces. breathe a little bit of water out oh, there. Yeah. That's if, correct. In fact, yeah. I had a guy ringing on Triple J and say, Dr. Carl, there's something wrong with my bathroom scales. A, I weigh half a kilogram less in the morning than I do at night, mm. and I don't go to the toilet in the middle of the night. This, what's wrong with my scales? And I said, they're right. You're uh, you're just breathing out half a kilogram of water vapor. That's why you need to have water every couple of days, or else you die. You're but breathing again, that, out. That water, if you're if you're staying healthy and holding a healthy, steady state weight, that water you're breathing out is balanced out by the water you're drinking or containing mm, your food, etc. That's right. But we're talking if you lose weight over the long term, eighty four percent of what you lose is breathed out as CO2. Mm. How did you work that figure out? You said it had never been mm. done before. How how do you find that out? So the, the the tricky bit about how to how to figure this answer out is that this stuff called fat is made out of just three elements: carbon, all of which will become carbon dioxide. There's hydrogen in it, so all of the hydrogen when you break this molecule down will become water. And there's oxygen, a little bit of oxygen in fat. So that's that's the three elements your fat is made of. And that's how we know that it only becomes CO. Two or H2O, I've only mentioned C's, right. H's and O's there. So that's all of the atoms yep. in the fat are C's and O's. Okay. That's right. And so we, we know that they the all the carbon has to become CO2, all the hydrogen will become water. The big question is, the riddle that I went off and tried to solve is what happens to the oxygen atoms that are in one of these triglyceride molecules. And here's a beautiful... Do they f- join up with C's or do they join up with H's? Exactly, mm, yeah. And that was not it. that was such a tricky question mm. to answer. In fact, I got on the phone, and because I work on Catalyst, um, it, I can pick up the phone and speak to professors. They, they're very happy to answer my calls, which yeah. is just so lucky. Yeah. So, And I really I, I respect them very much. So I ring them up and I, get, I hit them with this question. I asked three different people and they just thought, why are you even bothering asking this question? It doesn't seem that interesting. Um, so I then had to hit the books because no one knew the answer, what happens to these oxygen atoms. And I found the answer, I love this, in a 1949 paper wow. from, from way back in the Journal of Biological Chemistry. And Hang on. Was that journal started before the word biochemistry existed? No. That's right. Yeah, You're that, kidding. That journal There was no such word. word. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, uh, what a sense of history. Great stuff, isn't it? And it was this wonderful little experiment they did with mice. They injected these mice with um, water, which they had labelled the oxygen atoms of. So when you label an atom, you can't stick a post-it note to it, obviously. No. So they do it. has a, to be a very small post-it tiny, note if you want. And size even, of a neutron. Even harder to write oh, on so it. Yeah. Yes. radioactivity. Yeah, or um, just, just a, a, an isotope, so it's a bit heavier. So mm. you chuck two extra neutrons in, and now you've got this slightly heavier water molecule than a normal water molecule. So they bang, shove those into these mice and looked for them in their exhaled breath. Ah, and they turn up in their exhaled breath. Now, how does a oxygen molecule get out of a water uh, oxygen atom? Sorry, get out of a water molecule and onto a carbon dioxide molecule? And the answer to that is it's really simple. Um, carbon dioxide and water, when they're mixed, so dissolve some carbon dioxide gas in water, they bump into each other at huge speeds and they swap 
molecules, uh, swap atoms. So an oxygen atom from a water molecule gets knocked off and there you chucked go. onto have it. that. Yeah. I'll have one of those then. There and back go. the other way. And it, it, it's a two-direction two um, process. But because some of the oxygen atoms looked a little bit different, mm-hmm. you could keep track of where they had gone and what percentage of them had gone across. Yeah, it's just basic maths from here. You'll love this bit because um, the, the, the oxygen atoms that they pumped into these mice end up in equilibrium between the carbon dioxide the water, and the carbonic acid that forms. That's how this sort of happens. There's a substance called carbonic acid. It forms when you dissolve um, carbon dioxide in water. Mm -hmm. That's what gives you that prickly feeling when you scull some soft drink. Ah. You know, you get that sort of sensation at the back. Your eyes water a bit and you get that prickly feeling. Mm -hmm. You've got pure carbon dioxide bubbles erupting in your mouth and filling your sinuses up with carbon dioxide, and some of that dissolves into your sinuses, forms carbonic acid, irritates you, and your eyes water. Just as a quick tangent, is it Mm. also carbonic acids the problem with the acidification of the oceans when CO2 in the water in the oceans, those processes happen? It's the byproduct of the carbonic acid that makes shells rot and kills the Great Barrier Reef and that sort of stuff? Precisely, yes, exactly. Okay, Same same chemistry. Back to where we were. Right, so... uh, In the mice, equilibrium. Yep, and from that little one little thing, they weren't solving the question I was looking for the answer to, but they indirectly solved it for me. And so I figured out that if you've got six carbon atoms in one of these molecules of fat, that's how many there are, uh, we know this formula very, very precisely. I'll come back to it. But if we've, if you know you've got six oxygen molecules, they'll leave in the same ratio that oxygen exists in carbon dioxide and water, which is two to one. There's two yep. carbons in a... Mm. Uh, oxygens in a carbon dioxide one in water. And so from that, I could then just go back to the basic high school chemistry of... Um, you learn this in high school, most people forget, but you learn how to balance chemical equations in year 10. It's called stoichiometry, and then you forget it immediately, Um, (laughs) unless you happen to go on and do more. But so the stoichiometry is interesting. You could have figured this out in 1960 when Jules Hirsch published the fat molecules chemical formula, precise chemical formula for every molecule of fat in your body is um, made of these three elements, and on average, each has 55 carbon atoms, 104 uh, hydrogens, and six oxygens. That's your the chemical formula for the fat that you're trying to lose, C55H10406. That's the average. That's the average right. fat formula. molecule. There's a few that have a couple more. Yeah, they vary. That's just a typical run-of-the-mill yeah, fat molecule. That's one right there. Oh, i got millions of them. Get rid of them. Yeah, boom. Uh, turn them into carbon dioxide and water, and that's, that's so uh, yeah, that's what I figured out, and that had never been figured out before. It wow. plays, I'm pinching myself. Are there implications for that matter? If you want to lose weight, so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, if I want to lose weight and I breathe most of it out, so if I just sit here <laughs> breathing really hard, am I going to lose weight? Or is, is that why if I, if I exercise, I do breathe more? Are they just coincidences or does it give us an insight into the most effective way to lose weight over the long term? It does indeed. Um, So frequently asked question number one is precisely what you just said. Can I just sit here and breathe more? That's called hyperventilation. And Carl, can you run me through the um, what what happens if you hyperventilate? You blow off your carbon dioxide and your fingers tingle. But part of me, the greedy money side, just thought that we should come out under fake names on a totally con 
book ah. in the new year after people have eaten too much with a new tantric form of weight loss, which involves breathing a lot mm. with absolutely no science, and people buy it up like crazy. Oh, breathe your way thin. Yeah, you've got a tantric breather. You've got to have some allusion to something exotic that people don't see normally. Oh, what about exhale, you whale? Yay. Oh, talk and burning. Boom. Man, it I, writes I, itself. Right. We've we got to get this out by the new year, though. But So... so in answer to your question, if you just breathe more, all you're doing is hyperventilating and you're not you, – what you need to do to lose weight faster than what you would just sitting still um, – so I'll give you the maths actually because I've figured it out and it's in this paper. If you sit still, a 70-kilogram person sits still for eight hours, sleeps for eight hours and then just does activities of the day as it's called in the trade, which doubles your metabolic rate above resting. So just twice. But you don't go doing exercise. You don't go mm-hmm. running a triathlon, but you no. just get around as you have to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you're not you're not sort of bedridden. Mm-hmm. Um, then you'll exhale about 210 grams of carbon that yep. day. Now, right. let's replace one hour of just sitting around rest at resting rate and go for a jog for mm-hmm. one hour. That'll multiply your resting me- metabolic rate by seven. So seven METs, as it called, mm-hmm. it's called in the trade. For that one hour of what would have been eight hours of... Yep, that's right. So now you will lose 240 grams of carbon. Just an extra. Yeah, yeah, not much extra at all. Mm-hmm. And that extra little bit represents about 20% of the total. Yep. Here's the real problem. 20%, one muffin that weighs 100 grams... Mm is about 20% of your daily energy requirements. Wow, which so, people would eat without even noticing. That's right. You can just, you know, snack on that and think, oh, yeah, no, that was a muffin. It's reasonably healthy, you might think. You know, had some blueberries in it, blah, blah, blah. It's so easy to overeat your exercise and it's really hard to out-exercise Wow, that's a deep overeating. phrase. It's so easy to mm. overeat your exercise. So you go for a jog for one hour and then you have a muffin cancelled. Cancelled. Wow. And the converse, as you said, it's very hard mm. to under no to undereat. Yeah, it's no, hard no, to sorry, add- it's, it's, hard, <laughs> it's hard to overeat. No, it's hard to overexercise. That's right. Your eating. That's right. And it's hard to undereat your exercise. Yeah. Mm. So uh, the way I, I it's it's um it's not a it's not an original phrase that I've come up with by the way. I've heard other people say it. So the trick is that because it's so easy to eat more than your um daily energy requirements even with exercise, mm. um there's the problem for most people because most people can't do much more than an hour of exercise because they have got to work, yep. you've got kids, you know, it's just a time constraint problem. If you rode the um Tour de France, then you're exercising all day, and it, they have trouble eating enough, mm. but that's just so And in fact, in the Antarctic, they couldn't eat enough. Right. And they starved to death, even though they were eating as much as they could. And I spoke to some women who skied their way from the coast to the South Pole, and even though they'd put on 20 kilograms extra beforehand of weight, they lost a kilogram a day, and even though they were eating as much chocolate as they could, they still kept on losing another kilogram and went 10 kilograms below their normal weight. And you hear about those people being on diets of just solidified fat yes. and things like that to try and get the energy. But in your normal steady state, yep. you're saying even an hour a day of exercise will, will eventually get you there, but you've got to be really careful that you don't outweigh that by some sort of accidental eating. And That's right. Muffin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So wow. it really does come down to count your kilojoules, you know, count everything, count what's in your drinks, mm. coffees, uh, everything. And 
And what's great about this is, so you've done this work, no one's ever done it before. You rang a few professors, they didn't know the answer, and now this has taken off and it's going to be published in one of the world's most prestigious journals? It is in the British Medical Journal. Ah, oh, that's the sound of me being insanely jealous. You've oh never my been God. published in the BMJ, Carl? No, never, never. You ever been published? Ish, kind of, in something that's got an impact factor of about minus point zero ten or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, are the, you are the most... I- impressive person I know in terms of being published. But this is, this, oh. is, this is your first ever paper? Yes, first wow. peer-reviewed paper. And first I'm, peer-reviewed paper and you've gone the BMJ. Yeah, yeah, we, we bypassed a, a few of the lower down the, uh, the picking oh. order. In fact, we got rejected by one of the, the journals because they wouldn't believe. I did a survey of doctors, dietitians, and personal trainers and asked them the question, when someone loses weight, where does it go? Not one doctor said carbon dioxide. Not one personal trainer said carbon dioxide, and only three dietitians remembered their biochemistry. Wow. So um, there is a massive gap in the knowledge of our health professionals who are, you know, it doesn't change the advice they've always given, so they're still correct. Energy less, in more. has to be less than yep. energy out. Yep. So yep. they're not doing anything wrong, but I think this just helps you cast a very critical eye over the claims that other weight loss supposed gurus tend to make. You know, you've got your celebrities out there getting behind oh. all kinds of diets, and, you know, it doesn't matter if you eat nothing but sugar or nothing but protein, as long as it's less and weight loss is your only concern, then it doesn't matter how you do that. But I'm not recommending you only eat one thing. Because a big thing at the moment is to go sugar-free. And Mm. what you're saying there is the issue is not inherently that sugar is evil, but that there is just so much of it hidden in food that if if you if the people who go on sugar free diets say they're stunned at how many foods they find they were eating that had sugar and just the complete sensory overload of not eating sugar anymore mm. and there's so much energy coming out of your diet if you go sugar free yes and moderate it mm. then, yeah. then then you you you'd, you'd inevitably have to lose weight yeah almost i mean you, but it's very easy to replace it with fat although mm. it doesn't taste as good and that you know there's that whole question and i'm not a dietitian so i'm not really an expert on this but there is the question of when you deep fry anything, it's usually carbs. You don't mm. deep fry meat. So that's fat and sugar right there. It, it, this, this part of it gets ah, really interesting, but we've overcomplicated don't deep fry it. Meat. Just, just count your kilojoules and get easy. So where to from now for you, Mr Surfing Scientist? One ever peer-reviewed publication. It's in the BMJ. Do you, do you keep going down this path or do you retire from academic publication forever, <laughs> the equivalent of having scored 200 not out on debut in, your, in the only test match you ever played. Get out get out while you're, while you're ahead. We've already started on the second paper. We're hoping to get this um, calculation that I've figured out into the biochemistry textbooks Yes, because when we teach doctors and dietitians, um, these are very, very smart people, as you know, um, because to get into the courses. Mm. So it's not that they don't get it. It's just that we haven't ever taught it all in the one lecture. We give them various parts and we never show them the whole thing in one go. So I've also got a bunch of demonstrations that I do at schools and I'm, I'm mm. keen to talk to um, uh, you know education departments about, hey, this is really easy to demonstrate. Carbon dioxide, dry ice is made out of that. Mm-hmm. You drop some dry ice into water, you've got every kid in the room absolutely hooked. They're yeah. watching and you, there's... And that is what fat becomes. So we've got to just remind kids that what you exhale has mass. It's got kilograms in it. And if you exhale your breath into a clear balloon and freeze that with liquid nitrogen, you can see the dry ice in there. So you can wow. literally see. Well, those little particles of. Yeah. Wow. It's a white powdery substance. Wow, that's your carbon dioxide. There you go. That's where your food. You can and store your, your ex-fat. Yeah. 
It has been wonderful talking with you, Ruben Mimmon, on the Sleek Geek podcast. You can follow us at Sleek Geek. Send us Twitter questions. Go to drcarl.com to download the podcast. Though you've already done that if you're listening to the podcast. Didn't need to tell you that. Why don't we all, just together, as one, lose some weight, as we say farewell to listeners, on three. One, two, three. See you later. Geeks.